Well, are you ready to go fast? Because yeah. <laughs> we haven't got much time. But, um, right, as you be aware, we started what we call the year of biblical literacy. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited about it. Yeah, there's a few people here. And uh, last week when Nigel um, spoke, he kind of shared and then he did a little bit of pastoral stuff at the end. Well, I'm doing the opposite. I'm doing the pastoral stuff at the beginning and then um, sharing it. And I just wanted, this, at the beginning of like, looking into this series, because we've been doing it a whole year, there's a few things I wanted just to reflect on, to kind of remind ourselves of kind of why are we doing it. You know, we're seeking to engage with God's word so that we can engage with the word of God. We're seeking to engage with the word of God so we can meet the word of God, who's Jesus. And I think sometimes we, we take the, the word of God for granted. I don't know about you, but I have an office up here and uh, I could probably find three or four different Bibles uh, that I can read. And I think having been brought up um, overseas, working so much amongst the Muslims, working amongst people groups, where we're trying to see people get, they don't even have the Bible in their own language. And we have multiple copies. I think also it's deep in my heart because my, my father, many years ago when he worked in Colombia, was put in prison for trying to get their Bible in Spanish. And so for me, it's important. I think as soon as we take this thing, this book that we have for granted, you know, we should have a reverence for it. I know in the, the Muslim world, those who know me, if you don't know me, I do a lot with Muslims. When they get, even if they get something like the Bible, if they acknowledge the Bible, it's certainly with the, the Quran, they will hold it to the chest, they will kiss it, they will put it to their head. There's that kind of reverence. May we get that reverence again for the word of God. It's easy to go, we're doing this series, but let's get that reverence and hunger for the word of God in our lives. Let's have that desire. Secondly, as Joe said when she spoke a few weeks ago, we're kind of looking at this because we want to become more like Jesus. And um, Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Wow. And we're meant to be representing Jesus, yeah? If you're a follower of Jesus, you're meant to be representing him. I've been thinking about this uh, the last few weeks. I've been thinking, if people see me, do they see Jesus? If people see me, do they see the Father? And um, I don't know about you, I'm not exactly lining up. But it reminded me of this game, you know, guess who? If you ever played this, ask my children if you haven't. You start to ask clues, you know, have they got glasses, have they got accessories, and there's always an argument what an accessory is or isn't. You know, uh, have they got yellow hair and brown hair and so forth. And between that, you, sh you should be able to guess who the person is. And hopefully when people look at us, they'll be able to say these certain things and they'll be able to go, guess, you're Jesus. Because we should be representing who Jesus is. And we won't know what he looks like till we start to get into his word as we begin to read it. We're also engaging with the Bible so that we can encounter God so that we can engage with our communities. Sometimes this Bible is called the living word. And whatever community you're living in, one of our values and vision as a church is to lead our communities into life. If we don't have the word of God in our life, what do we have to give? What do I have to give? There's a story in the Bible where the disciples were Jesus and he says, are you gonna go away? And they go, they say, no, we're not gonna go away because who can we turn to? You have the words of eternal life. 
And all around us in our communities, there are people who need the life and the hope that is found in the Bible. We are dealers in hope as followers of Jesus. And so that's kind of like, just keep remembering that, because I know sometimes it can get bogged down into details, but this is why we're doing it. And the focus is on biblical literacy. I know we call it the year of biblical literacy, but then get bogged down in the year. Uh, last year, Katie bought a Bible, one of these Bibles that's specially built to go through the year. And about two or three months, in, two or three months into it, I realized I wasn't gonna make it. <laughs> so I cut my losses and decided to just do the Psalms, the Proverbs, and the New Testament. This year so far, I'm about a day behind. But what I, and I just said this again last week, but let's not get bogged down in the year bit. Let's get focused in on, we wanna get through the word of God. We wanna get through the Bible, however long it takes us to get there. Because as it says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, all scripture is useful. It's all useful. Some of it might not look so useful sometimes when you're reading it, but it's all useful. And to keep on pressing in. Because it's very easy just to kind of cherry pick and just choose the bits that you like. But we need to have a balanced diet. I'm not going to look at it. It's going to make me hungry. And... (laughs) But you know when you, you kind of get brought up or if you're parents and you've got children, you keep saying, you know, you've got to have a balance. You know, you've got to have your greens. And so I guess I stand here as one of the leaders, one of the pastors of this church, and I say, I'm coming maybe as a, a father in the house, eat your greens. <laughs> we need to eat our greens. We all have our favorite things. And it's very easy to kind of go to our favorite pastures. I don't know about you, but I kind of like um, ice cream. And I like to drink Coca-Cola. And, um, but I know if I just did that, my teeth would rot and I'd put on more weight than I want. You gotta have a balanced diet and we need to do that. And we need to press into it. Even when sometimes it feels hard. I don't know if you remember, some of you, it's in more recent memory for me, I have to go back a good 20 years, but school dinners. For some of you, you can have ministry later. <laughs> that brings back bad memories. But um, um, my children seem to have school dinners that were way nicer than what I can remember having as a child. And you kind of walk along, and they'd kind of like the cook, cook you know, the kitchen staff would get something and go, <laughs> <laughs> plonk. And uh, would you like some more? No, thank you. And. Um, just imagine that picture in your head and you're kind of going along and sometimes you'd ask, because it wasn't always clear <laughs> what it was you might be getting. I mean, I think I was a man of faith even before I really became a man of faith because <laughs> I did school dinners. And um, you'd get there and um, pictures in your mind, you get to and you say, what is that? And they go, oh, it's saying yuck, yuck food. You're like, what's yuck yuck food? Is it vegetarian, is it me, what is it? And they go, oh, this is food. This is for people that can't be bothered to get the food for themselves and you know, This is food that's gonna be eaten by somebody else and just regurgitated to make it easy for you. Now some people really want ministry. <laughs> and now you kind of look and go, ugh. But so often that's what we do as followers of Jesus. We don't go back to the original, we're happy to get our food digested by somebody else. 
I mean, I love books, I read books, I, I want to learn from other people. But it's easy to kind of go to somewhere else. It's easy to go to the podcast and not to go to the, what it is. So let's press, press into it. There's so many good things. I best use this because my child's going to save. I'm a bit of a rush. But you know when you get um, stockings, and um, it's not a tradition of mine in my family, but when I married into Katie's family, this is huge. I mean, my kids are more interested in the stocking than what they get. You know, when, when this stocking is full, it's just like about a burst. And uh, I think sometimes as Christians, it's like God has given us our stocking. It's like the word of God. And sometimes we can see bits sticking out and we just get caught up in those bits. And I feel God is saying to us, go deeper. There is way more in the stocking in the word of God than we have approached yet. Do not be satisfied with the candy sticks that are curling over the edge. Let's go deep. We need it for ourselves. We need it for our families. We need it for the communities that we live in. So that's just my, my pastoral four. I'm just going to read a passage. My poly, I'm just going to read it just for time's sake. Judy, I'm going to read it just for time. I was going to get somebody to read it for me. So you're going to have to hear my voice, which is not as good as Judy's for sure. And now I have the problem where I have to take my glasses off. For no reason. There's a passage in uh, Luke and uh, 24 is known as on the road to Emmaus. I'm just going to read it, starting up verse uh, 13. And I encourage you. I didn't put it up partly because it'd be hard to get it all up. But again, just encouraging to engage with it. You know, bring it along. Bring a Bible. Have it on your phone. Um, I am one of these people that prefer printed version. Jesus had died, Jesus had risen, but these guys didn't know it yet. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of their name, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened, the, happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God. And all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had a hope that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to his tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. 
When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while you talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? So we're going to be looking at that passage and as we said, the, the meaning of the Bible. But um, I kind of want to finish with the punchline rather than you having to wait to the end to hear the punchline. And uh, the punchline for me is the aspect at the end where they encountered Jesus. They were talking about scripture. They were discussing scripture. I'm sure in the discussion that Jesus was having with them, they'd be quoting passages from the Old Testament about this expected Messiah who would do amazing things. And yet all these passages were talking about Jesus, but they didn't recognize that Jesus was there. And it was only after Jesus revealed himself and they encountered Jesus as he broke bread that they encountered Jesus as they were meant to encounter Jesus. And one of my desires as I speak uh, this morning, and one of my desires for this whole year is that we encounter God, that our hearts burn. I don't want us to kind of spend a year when we come out of it more knowledgeable, more clever. Ultimately, the word of God is there for us to encounter him. Let us not be satisfied with anything else except encountering God as we go through this year. So I'm just going to pray. I was going to... um, I was reminded in the Middle East, actually, a lot of the world, I was going to ask um, Stephen to do this in Romania or not, but in a lot of the world where I've been to, when somebody comes into the room, you stand up. So I just want to acknowledge that God's here. And so, shall we stand? I was going to say stand or kneel. And uh, I'm going to pray. You can listen in, but I'd encourage you just to pray for yourselves, whether audibly or quietly that we encounter God today. Do not be satisfied with anything else. God Almighty, you're here. We just acknowledge you, the creator of heaven and earth. Just come, Holy Spirit. Come with your fire and burn in our hearts, God. Take hold of your word and just make it alive in us, God. God, we are not satisfied with anything less than that. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, Dios mío, venga con tu poder. Venga con tu Espíritu Santo. Venga con tu fuego. Use whatever language you know. Just come, oh God. God, we do not want to leave this place without you. Just more of you. Come, oh God. Come, oh God. God, break our hearts. I was thinking about this earlier on and I started to cry. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to just know more. I want to encounter God. God meet us.
burning our hearts. Fire of God fall in this place. That we would go from this place and say, we have met the living God. Just come and blow your life, Holy Spirit. The word of God is meant to bring life. I'm going to start sharing some stuff because I'm going to be sharing some stuff this morning. But I encourage you to just keep in that attitude of just asking God to bring fire into your life. And to keep with that attitude of saying, God, whenever you read, do not be satisfied with anything less than encounter with God. Now, I've been asked to speak about the meaning of the Bible <laughs> very quickly. And, um, you know, Joe, when she opened this series a few weeks ago, so, you know, asked her how many people had a Bible, and then, you know, you don't have to put your hands up, and how many people read it. And um, we didn't go into why, you know, as soon as we read it, sometimes we don't read it. But I think one of the reasons why, as soon as we don't, we don't read it, is because it's actually quite a hard book. If you haven't discovered that yet, you will be discovering it as you go in. You know, we're in Exodus at the moment, if you're reading for the, the series that we recommended. And as you start to get into different books, there are a no, number of difficult things. If you haven't found that yet, speak to me afterwards. I can tell you some real difficult things you can find in the, in the Bible. And we're trying to interpret it and think about what does it mean? What does it look like? And it's difficult. And we're going to try to cram in quite a lot uh, today. But it's important because a lot of it, a lot is at stake. Because the way that we interpret, or the way we understand things, the way that we interpret it will affect the way that we live our lives before God and how we live in our communities. There's an interesting passage that kind of just affirms the difficulty and implications of this. I'm going to read it straight off there. This is Peter writing, and he's talking about actually the bit of the New Testament written by um, Paul. So he is referring to Paul. He says, he writes the same thing in all his letters. Speaking in them of these matters, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand. True. <laughs> Which the ignorant and unstable people distort as they do to other scriptures, to their own destruction. Whoa, heavy words. You know, it's like we've got, we got to understand the Bible, we need to interpret it, but he's just saying you've got to be wary because he understood, Peter did, that the way that we interpret things affects the way that we live our lives. You see, the word of God was never meant to fill our minds, it was meant to affect the way that we live our lives. And so the way that we interpret it will affect the way that we live our lives. And it says kind of destruction, is at stake. I don't think Peter is here, he's talking about eternal destruction, about issues about heaven and hell. I think he's talking about the way that we live in God's world today. That if we interpret scriptures in a, in a way that is, does not line up with what God is trying to say through his word, then it can lead to the destruction of our life and that promise of living life in all its fullness. It can lead to destruction because in the sense of the communities and the families that we represent because the word of God is meant to impact us and bring life into those communities. And so that's why it's important. And so often when we start thinking about what does the Bible mean, there's various different ways of kind of extremes that we can look at. And uh, just as I carry on talking with the people give out um, 
We're going to be sending around the offering baskets again. Not that we're taking up a second offering. But you're getting a piece of jigsaw. Wait for later. I will explain. So that starts. And, uh, and there's a couple of ways that people can take it. They can take it like literal. Everything in here is literal. But that, that can cause um, quite a lot of difficulties if you take it just one extreme. To, uh, to give you one example, um, how many of you have a sword? Yeah, I actually have a machete because I was in Colombia. Uh, <laughs> so some of you would go, but uh, most of you don't. But the Bible says, um, Jesus says, if you don't have a sword, go and buy one. And there's another passage you don't take literally, but I know that passage quite well because Muslims quote it to me all the time. When we start talking about um, peace and which is a religion of peace, they know that verse very well. They go, even Jesus said, if you don't have a sword, go and buy it. It's also to take, uh, it's difficult to take everything literal because everything here in the Bible is God's word, but it's not all necessary truth from God. Now, some of you are going, what? Have you read the Ecclesiastes? If you read Ecclesiastes, you'll get there eventually. It's pretty much near the middle of the, of the Bible. And if you open it, it's King Solomon when he started going away from God. And for example, if you read there, he talks again and again. He says, everything is meaningless. Life is meaningless. That's not the truth. That was his interpretation of his life at that point in time. And I could go on with it, example after example, but that's some of the problems that one can get when one goes this way. And then you've got the other way where people just go, it's just metaphorical, it's all myths, and you'd be classified as liberal. But it's like, this is, it's like is this true or is this not true? Is this meant to be applied to our lives or not? And then generally people are somewhere in between, and the problem there is, again, it's difficult because people shift. And often we interpret things according to the way that we want to. God loves me. I'll take that literal. Some people. God is a judge. Well, that's kind of met- metaphorical. And so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. In some ways, I haven't got time to explain it. That's why we've got to keep crying out to God. God, you wrote this word. Explain it to us. There's a few instances where I've met the authors of people who have written books. I never had to do this, but I suspect if I had, was reading one of their books, I had a couple of friends who had written books, and it was something I didn't understand. I could ask Katie about it, I could ask a friend about it. But, you know, the most obvious thing would be to go to the author, yeah? And that's what we need to do more and more. So often we go to other people or the culture or sink out and we help, can you help me interpret this? Now let's go to God and say, God, what is it? Help us to interpret it what are you saying about it so in some ways the bible is literal it's talking about true events true issues true people but at the same time though uh, N.T. Wright is a, a theologian I know Nigel particularly likes him not saying I dislike him but Nigel uses him all the time uh, and just talks about the bible being literal actual facts and truths and real people and real situation and real places. But he also just talks about it being literary. I have to take care of a man with dyslexia. This is like, it's literal and it's literary. And what it means by that is that the Bible, like virtually, this is anti-right, like virtually all of the great writings, regularly 
and repeatedly brings out the flavor, the meaning, the proper interpretation of these actual concrete, it's a little bit, space-time events by means of complex, beautiful, and evocative literary forms and figures of which metaphor is only one. If you look at the Bible, and I don't know who did this, somebody had more time than I had, went through and said 44% of the Bible is narrative. Sorry, 33% is poetry, and 23% is discourse or teaching. And that the biggest part of the Bible is, is narratives. It's a story. And I know Nigel talked a lot about this last week, and if you didn't listen to it, I'd encourage you to do it. You know that the Bible is a story, and as you read through it, you need to understand where you are in it. Has everybody got their jigsaw pieces? Oh, I should have got it. Do you want to know what it looks like? It's Big Ben. Woo! And uh, sometimes when we get the Bible, it's like we get a piece of jigsaw. And you're trying to figure out what does it mean? What does it look like? And only when you see the big picture, you start to understand where it fits in. Because when you have that, it's like, particularly if you've got an odd piece of jigsaw, you might be looking at it like, what is that? Maybe when, you, when I was speaking just now, you, weren't, you took no notice what I said. Because you were trying to figure out, what is this? What picture does this fit into? And it's the same with the word of God, because sometimes we just get a verse and it's like a piece of jigsaw. We need to know the big picture. We need to know the whole story, how it kind of feeds in. And so Nigel's going to be speaking next week, but after that, in February, we're going to be starting the series and we'll be just looking at the big picture. And so when we're trying to understand the meaning, understand this piece of jigsaw, this verse that's in front of us, we need to begin to understand the bigger story, the, the story of redemption right there from Adam and Eve, the creation of the world, where we chose to go our own way through what's called the old covenant, Jesus coming, Jesus dying, the new covenant as we seek to outwork it to revelation when it comes to it, into its fulfillment. We need to know what the big picture is so as we look at scripture, we can put it into its right place. So Tim Keller, just uh, another great theologian, preacher from the States, says this. The reason for our confusion over the Bible is that we usually read the Bible as a series of disconnected stories, each with a moral for how we should live our lives. It's not. Rather, it comprises a single story telling us how the human race got to its present condition and how God, through Jesus Christ, has come and will put all things right. So we need to know the bigger picture as we're reading. To give you a simple example, if you start reading um, in the next few weeks, if you're keeping to the, the, the series that we're doing at the moment, you'll start to hear, hit things like uh, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. As, as you read there, you'll see things like, you're not allowed to eat bacon. Whoa. Now, if you don't know the big story, you're going to have to wait to maybe about September before you hit the story of Acts. <laughs> because in Acts, you get a story uh, about 
Jesus, um, sorry, Peter and um, God just challenging him about it, brings down some food and says, you call this all unclean, I call it clean. And so having the bigger picture, again, I don't have time, I could give you example after example, but how, having the bigger picture helps you interpret what's there right in front of you. Now for the man who's got very limited time, I'm gonna explain something very complex to you in a minute. Something called hermeneutics. Wow, it's a long word, it's your word for the day, for your scrabble, which just really means the art of interpreting the Bible. So I'm gonna give you like, the dummy's guide to hermeneutics. And this really is, it's kind of like observation. What does the text say? And I'll say a little bit more about that. Interpretation, what does it mean? This idea of understanding of the parts is helped by understanding of the whole. Understanding of the whole helps you understand the parts. This is a bit like the jigsaw. You know, so I give the illustration, if you've got that little piece, it helps to know the bigger picture, yeah? But at the same time, when you've got this big picture in front of you, what it should look like, you know when you've got a bit of jigsaw, then you figure out this is where it fits. You know, if you do jigsaws, you think, okay. And so understanding one helps to help you understand the other one, and vice versa. And thirdly, application. How do we live out the text? So taking particularly the observation, the interpretation, Here, I know it's a little bit fuzzy, but I know you can just about see it. And again, if I had more time, I'd go into it. But as you look at a scripture, it helps you to understand you know, the bigger picture, the paragraph. It's amazing how people just take a verse out of context. Understanding of the entire book. Where is that person trying to take you on a journey? This is particularly um, important in any book, but a good example is when you look at things like the Gospels. You know, why do we have four Gospels? Partly they were just showing different things, but sometimes they use the same story. But when you understand the whole book, different authors were trying to emphasize different things in relation to Jesus' character. And then how it fits into the New Testament, how it fits into the entire Bible, the example of bacon and eating bacon, uh, fits into it. And some of the issues about culture and historical and geographical background. And they kind of help you doesn't make it like really easy, because if not, life would really be really easy as interpreting the Bible. A classic example is culture. I've been around enough churches, and I have enough church background and contact with different denominations to know that some churches look at a verse and go, we take that literal, and somebody goes, no, we won't take that. We think it's a, you know, it's a cultural situation. And so they interpret the same verse in different ways, depending on which filter they go through. But it's important to know the bigger picture. If you want another example in relation to my work with Muslims, Muslims are very good. They know Matthew 10, verse 34. Do you know Matthew 10, 34? Muslims generally know it because Jesus says, I have not come to bring peace. And uh, rather I come to bring brother against brother, family against family. They know it very well when I have discussions about peace. And so, but we, that's where you need to know the bigger scripture. What's his title? He's called the Prince of Peace. What did he come to do? To bring peace. His peace is different to the peace that people anticipated. So we've got to interpret it. 
And then we've got to apply it. Boy, you guys are doing well. I'm tired and I'm speaking, I'm trying to speak as fast as I can. And this is a simple tool, it's called the Discovery Bible Study. And I like it because it tries to help us interpret it, but crucially to apply it. We are called to obey the word of God. It says in the Great Commission, the last verse in, in Matthew, it says, go and make disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The word of God is there. Ultimately, we're reading it back to, so that we can put it into practice in our lives. If you're coming along to Life Group Goes Large, which I know a number of you are, we're going to be putting some of this into practice on Wednesday. Taking all the scripture and thinking, how can we do this? And as you read your passage that you are reading day by day, I'd encourage you to use this as a kind of a grid if you're not sure what to do with it, but to help us to put this into practice. It's a really simple tool. One of the mosques in this area were doing this with Bible this coming Saturday. We're just taking a passage of scripture from Genesis and we're just asking these questions, discipling Muslims even before they start following Jesus. And it's amazing the way that things get interpreted. And the crucial bit is I will. Whenever you hear God's word, whatever it's done, particularly if you're reading the scripture, but if you listen to a podcast, or even this morning as you go away, again, if I had more time, I'd say, what is your I will statement? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to apply even what I'm preaching myself? What does that mean? Because that's what we need to do. So coming into land, actually I jumped that. It's coming to land where we started. We're looking at scripture and when we're looking at it, it can get bogged down in the interpretation and what does it mean and what does it look like and hopefully I gave you some very quick tools and some thoughts in relation to that. But let's not be satisfied, because you could have, I have books, I do this less nowadays, but I, I still have a whole load of books, that, you know, with the history and the geography and, and so forth. And when I was a kind of young person, a teenager, I got really bogged down in all of that. I, you know, it's, it's good, but to some extent, if you don't encounter Jesus, then you miss him. And it took me to about, I was about 21 when God just messed my life up. He said, you know a lot about the Bible. You know a lot about the interpretation. I could take what is regarded as some of the hardest passages in scripture and I could argue pretty well with those. But he said, you miss me. Boy, you miss me. And so let's not miss Jesus. Let's encounter God. Have we met him? Some of you may be here as guests and you hear us all talking about scripture and you know, a bit like the people on the road to Emmaus, you see, they, they knew scripture, but they hadn't met Jesus. And I'd encourage you this morning, if you're here and you kind of heard, you've read some of the Bible, you're curious about the Bible and you want to encounter Jesus, I'd encourage you to come to the front and speak to me afterwards and I'll pray for you and I guarantee you encounter Jesus. You'll encounter Jesus. 
It would be more than just a kind of concept in your head that you're thinking and trying to figure out about. You will know it. Let's encounter Jesus. And we need that for ourselves. And we need it for the communities that we're in. See, one of the things you notice with the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus was they were confused. They were unsure. How many people do we know in our communities who are confused? They're worried, they're concerned, their lives are falling apart. You know, for them, their lives are falling apart. All that they've been hoping and dreaming for are gone. And then Jesus turned up. We're meant to be Jesus turning up in these situations. And then just two quick things. Keep pushing through. I know you're starting to hit bits of the Bible and as soon as you're going into it and it's all well and good me saying eat your greens, but as soon as it can be really, really hard. And my encouragement to you is push on through. This is a plane just about to break uh, the speed of sound. A plane just before it breaks the speed of sound shakes and rattles and you think you're going to fall apart. And then, and then they say, I've never done it obviously, can't fly. Uh, they say once you've broken through, it's like the calmest, most scenic bit. Let's push through. Let's break the barriers. Whatever has been difficult for you, maybe there's certain passages that you've found hard. In June time, I asked uh, Nigel and Joe if I could speak on the book of the Song, uh, Song of Solomon. Mainly because I'm trying to push myself through the sound barrier. Mainly I'm trying to eat some of the vegetables that I've kind of traditionally just put to the side. It's like, oh, I don't like that book. Some of you might love it. For me, that's been my least favorite book in the Bible. And uh, what is it for you? Let's push through. And then lastly, live it. Just live it. So let's pray. I'm aware of time. Uh, Nicole, you want to come up? I, I really believe that God wants to do some stuff. I want, just, you know, God's presence has been here and that he really wants to encounter us. Whatever situation you're in, I think particularly that aspect about confusion. If you happen to be in a stage of life and you, you got promises or things that you felt like God say, but life doesn't seem to be, it's not like what you think it should be, that God wants to turn up in that situation. I talked about living it. And some of you, as you've been reading God's word, you felt God say stuff to you. And you just need courage. To obey God's word is not easy. Have you read some of the stuff that's in the book? Whoa. You know, we say we love Jesus and we want to obey his word. If you just started and obeyed everything that we read and didn't stop, you couldn't read sink out to you obey that bit you just read. I tell you what, I wouldn't have got that far, to be honest. I and mean, maybe you guys are better than me. But I need courage, I need choices. And maybe if that's you again, come to the front. Nicole, you want to come? If the worship band wants to come up. And we're just going to create an opportunity for that. So I think there are several things going on this morning. I think some of you just need that extra dose of courage just to push on through. I think there's some people that have listened to many voices and are confused. And if you'd like just to hear that one clear voice, God's clear voice in the middle of it, then please come forward and, and get some prayer or even just come forward and just, just spend some time with God. <laughs>
And some of you, maybe it's just a, a physical step forward just to say, God, I'm going to commit to find you in your word. It talks about the word being food, and, and I think some of us are just a bit hungry, actually. It's time to eat more. So I'm just going to encourage, if there's anybody in life groups or is happy to pray with people, if you could come forward, that would be really great. I think it makes it easier for people to come forward to get prayer. And if any of that applies to you and you just would like somebody to stand alongside you and pray for you, then please come forward. One thought came to mind, actually, as we've been speaking the Bible says about the Holy Spirit being our teacher. And some of you have read the Bible and just can't make head nor tail of it. And I think some people, you might need just to be refilled with the Holy Spirit or just to engage with the Holy Spirit as, as your teacher. So if that's you, then please come forward. So we're just going to let the worship group play, join in, come and get some prayer. We'll just... Engage with God where you are. Just had a sense, you know, um, if you are following through the Bible passages that we're reading together, we're in uh, the story of the Exodus where God basically rescues his people. And I just had this sense that there may be one or two here who feel that you're really trapped. And what you need actually is God just to reach, reach in and rescue you. And he is the God of rescue and he's the God of salvation. There's a verse in Psalm 40 says, I waited for the Lord and he, he turned to me and he heard my cry and he lifted me out of the pit, out of the mud, out of the mire, set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand, a new song in my mouth. And it may be that you're in the situation today where you just know that things are pretty desperate and you need God. You need to cry out to him and you need him to step in and rescue you. And simply all you need to do is humble yourself and cry out to him. So there are, there are many of you who are responding to, who are resonating with the words that Nicole has shared and with the words that Paul has shared. So if that's you and you want to respond, why don't you come right now? There is plenty of space and there's plenty of time to come and respond to what God is doing. We have people here who would love to pray or you can just literally come and stand before the Lord as we worship together. But, you know, don't leave this morning, don't, leave this, don't pass this opportunity up to actually respond to what God is doing in your heart. You know, uh, it's a tough thing. Sometimes it's hard to acknowledge that I need help. Sometimes it's hard to acknowledge that I can't do this on my own. But thank you for those of you who are coming. Thank you. Do come forward. That's it. Keep coming. And those of you who, need, who know that God is on your case and you know that you need to, just acknowledge, God, I need your help with this. There's no judgment here. There is no, uh, nobody will tell you off. Nobody will share inappropriately but we just love to lay a hand on you and bless what God is doing within you and so if that's you please do come thank you bless you just keep coming and then as, as the presence of the, the guys play and God's presence is with us it may be that you want to just stay as you are and you might just want to sit or stand in the Lord's presence many of you have gone to get your kids already but if you haven't please don't do go and get them you know bring them back bring them into the Lord's presence here or come and get a coffee. Yeah, Holy Spirit, thank you for the work that you're doing among us. Thank you for your presence and your power. Bless you.
bless you. Can I have some more folks to come and pray?